there were 20 speakers this morning, there'd be 20 good mornings. And Lord willing, they'd all be good. pastor asked me to speak on music because I'm responsible for the music ministry in our church. And what we normally come across in music is the word or the understanding of worship. Most of you guys know worship hymns, worship music, worship music in the church. We come to church and we worship the God in song. I found that in studying, I needed to put that understanding of music in the church in a context. Why a context? So that we, so that I understand what it is, what its purpose is, how it fits into a service. I'm sure many of you know, if you follow Christian news, the big thing right now is worship leaders. If you want to be a worship leader, you can go to college and you can take a course in worship leading and you can guarantee a starting salary of $25,000 to be a worship leader. And in their brochures, they will tell you, and if you're good, meaning what? (laughs) Basically, that means add people to your church. You can go to a bigger church and you can demand more money because you're profitable to the church. You bring in more people. Now that sounds awful, but I'm stripping away all the possible good things about it and just getting down to the root of what is happening. I hate to say it, but we have to look at it in this light. You all know what DJs are. DJs go to club all over the country. The good ones get paid big bucks to go be in these uh, uh, clubs dance clubs, nightclubs. They get big paid money because they're DJs. They bring the crowds in. The same thing's happening with worship leaders. We want to try to get him because he brings in the crowds. That's the root nasty bottom underneath of this thing that's going on in the church. What are we supposed to think? I love the music. I love to tap my foot. I don't have any problem with rejoicing in the Lord through music, but how does it fit in a service of worship? And so, I started to study study worship. And I went to the woman at the well. There's going to be some review here. So if you remember or don't remember or want your memory refreshed, we're going to push through this again. We went to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman and she strikes up a conversation with him. She says to him, 19, sir, if I perceive, perceive that you're a prophet, our fathers worshiped in this mountain, yet you Jews say that worship is in Jerusalem. That's where we meet to worship. Jesus said to her, and believe me, woman, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. 
I think there's our first clue. There is an understanding, multitudes of people are in churches right now believing that they go there to worship. This is the place where I worship God. To get that, this is the place where I go to worship God. It's got the stained glass, it's got all the trappings, it's got music. I mean, this is a beautiful feeling. I feel close to God. Well, not really. <laughs> Other places. Jesus said, uh-uh, it's not a place. You don't know what you're worshiping. When you go to a place, you don't understand what this worship is all about. Verse 22, as a matter of worship, what you do not know, we worship what we do know. We have the Torah, we have the prophets, because salvation is from the Jews. Verse 23, but a time is coming, and even now has arrived, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. I love this part. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. I like that part. Now I can go back, because I know the Father is seeking worshipers who will worship him this way. To me, that's an encouragement. And so what do we worship? We worship the Father. Now, what does this mean? Worship. As we said, as we looked later, the Greek word for, for worship simply means to bow down. There is another word that's often used for, in the context of worship, which is service. So this bow down to the Father also includes me service, servicing him, honoring him, doing what he says, understanding who he is. He's the father. He's God. He's the creator. He is the one who I submit to. The understanding of bow down is a recognition of authority, which nowadays is a huge problem because we as a nation as individuals do not bow to authority. The inner thought of who are you to tell me? <laughs> That's who we are. <laughs> Biden has a new directive. <laughs> Trump has a new directive. Who in the world do you think you are? You're just a guy called president. You have no power. We bow to one with authority, recognized authority. The scripture tells us who he is. That is part of the truth. We worship him in spirit and truth. Who is he? What's his character? What offends? What doesn't offend? The truth when we look at God is who am I looking at God? What's the truth about me bowing down to him? How? I have bowed down to God. How should I even be in his presence? But we bow down to him. Jesus used this term for worship and service in, in Matthew 10 when he's rebuking the devil. Go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So there is a direct connection between worship, bow down, humble before God, honoring God, and how we act in, re in response to him. 
And so we have a biblical definition. It simply means to bow down. But if you go to your dictionary, and this is important, because most of Christendom is getting its, its understanding of worship in this. Right out of the bat, it is a feeling. I'm sorry. Depending on the moment, I don't really feel like bowing down, Father. I've got a flesh. I've got desires. I really don't feel like bowing down. Do you ever run across that in yourself? Isn't that part of the truth? When we come into his presence and bow down before him? There's a little rebellion here, Father. No, it is not a feeling or an expression of reverence, the serious face. No, no, it's in truth. There's a reality here. I came across this, which I thought was very good. What is the biblical definition of worship? Worship is the giving of our entire self, our thoughts, our emotions, to God's use. All of life is an act of submission, being bowed down, and an act of worship. Our service to God is not centered on time, or temple, but is done wherever we find ourselves. Why? Because we are the temple of God. This bowing down is done in here, in our spirit. We looked at the spirit of God. He is the one, I wanted to clarify this, because again, spirit, we start talking about the spirit of God, it begins in some minds very spooky. Unclear, undefined. So I'm going to throw some verses at you. Romans 8.15. You've not received the spirit of slavery. Leading to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. So we see two spirits here. Me. That's me. That's how I think. That's how I feel. That's my spirit. His spirit communicates with my spirit that I'm his children, that I'm his child, that I've been adopted. In Corinthians 2.14, but the natural, this is the unsaved, this is the unborn again person, does not accept the things of the spirit of God. Now, how does he not accept them? What, what isn't he accepting? He doesn't accept the teaching, the preaching of the word of God. He doesn't accept them. He, they're foolishness to him. Have <laughs> you ever been told that? That's a bunch of bunk. You guys in your crutches. I can't believe you believe that stuff. It's foolishness to them. And they cannot understand because these things are only spiritually understood. These things are only spiritually in here evaluated. But the one who is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is not discerned by no one. For who has known, look at this, the mind, verse 16, Romans, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. Who has known the mind, that's important, the mind, the thinking, the thought process of the Lord. That we will instruct him. But we have the mind, the thinking, the reasoning, 
the understanding of God in us. This is how we worship in spirit. This is the truth. What does the Holy Spirit communicate that we understand is proper response to God? <coughs> Excuse me. John 14, verse 20. These things I've spoken to you while remaining with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all things that I have said to you. Do you get that? So this understanding of worship comes from the teaching of the Holy Spirit to our understanding of what worship is. You see, this, this isn't spooky land. This is real fact. What is going on in my mind? I read the word of God. What is my response to it? Am I weighing this out? Am I arguing with the Lord? Say, Wait a minute, Lord, you, Lord, you said this, but, but what about this? And there is a wrestling scripture against scripture. Scripture with scripture to gain understanding of the teaching of the Holy Spirit. The teaching of the Spirit of God. What Christ said and bringing it to our remembrance. I don't know if this happens to you, but I want you to understand this. Have you ever been in a situation and suddenly a verse passes your head? A picture in your, not a picture, I don't want to say that. Just this is the truth about this situation. That's the Holy Spirit bringing to your remembrance. And we should act on it. We should act on it. <laughs> Pastor I know was taking a young man out and they were doing visitation. This man of was a Pentecostal persuasion. And the pastor knocked on the door, talked with the person. They moved on down to the next door, talked with the person, moved on to the next door. The pastor said to this young believer, he says, you do it this time. Uh, 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 I don't know. Well, okay, let's go. They go to the next door. Pastor speaks with the person. Come on, your turn, your turn. I just don't, I just don't feel the spirit. So the pastor sat down on the curb. Pastor, what are we doing? We're going to wait for the Spirit. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't work that way, folks. There's no sudden blast of something. There's the simple understanding of the Word of God that we obey. It's, it's that simple. But it is the Word of God, and it is communicated to us by the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit that gives life. It's the spirit that provides benefit. The word that I have spoken to you, it is spirit and it is life. That's Jesus' words. The words that I have spoken, they are spirit and they are life. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Remember, we worship in truth. We all know Timothy learned the scriptures. How did he learn them? Through the scriptures. So why do we bow down? What is our motivation? God's going to get us? Why do we submit to him? Romans uh, 12.1, you all know the verse, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, 
Present your bodies uh, as living sacrifices acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. There is a reason we've set our focus on God. It's because of this great mercy that we as believers have experienced. That is what brings us to the throne of grace. His mercy for what he has done for us. Now notice Paul's bringing together here. This mercy that God has given us has a reaction, service. We're bowed down before God. He's the authority. We serve him. We sacrifice our wants. Remember, communicates with our mind. It's not my mind. It's his mind in me that I now have understanding of. Therefore, I am a living sacrifice. I give up my desires for his desires. There is a gift given to the church. And we know, pastor, teachers, prophets, evangelists, did you ever read one about helps? <laughs> well, don't go there. Helps. Helps. A living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. To be able to help out in the Lord's work is a tremendous blessing. Can't preach, can't teach, can't hold a Bible study, but I can sweep. And I can love the Lord's people by taking that burden on and somebody else won't have to do it. Help. Paul, uh, to, uh, in Peter, we, we read about his submission to government. Submission to our employer or the one over us. Submission to our uh, wives submitting to their husbands. And did you catch the part, and likewise, husbands, submit to your, the needs of your wife? There is submission across the board. And later on in the chapter, he says, submit to one another. Make it real clear. When we obey our government, we help establish order. Get the word? We help keep order. When we obey our masters, our boss, we are helping their business prosper. We're helping. When the wife submits to her husband, she is helping him accomplish the things God has for him to do. When the husband submits to the wife, he is helping her help him. Don't put too big a burden on her. Don't, don't stress her out. And when we submit to the church, we are helping order in the church. We are helping us go forward in our relationship with Christ. Servants. It's a huge, huge benefit and a blessing to be a servant of God. Peter says, blessed be the God our Father, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again and to live and to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is why we bow down to love. We love him because he first loved us. It produces a response of love. In Ephesians 2, I, I love, we all love this passage. Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead in your offenses and sins. You were dead. We didn't have understanding. We didn't have the spirit. The things of God were foolishness to us. That was us. And we walked in this 
ways of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit is now working in the sons of disobedience among we had our walk. It was us. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together in Jesus Christ, for by grace you've been saved, and raised us up to sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ, so the ages and come he might show us the boundless riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus, for by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not resulting from our works, but it's his grace and through faith we have this unbelievable eternal blessing why not bow down David even back in the Psalms blessed is the Lord bless my soul all that is in me, let it bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits, who pardons all our guilt and heals our diseases, who redeems our life from the pit. We're going to get to thanksgiving a little bit here. Praise thanksgiving. A guy gave me a dollar one time. Thanks. But then another guy gave me a year's salary. I'm eternally grateful. Our gratefulness, our thanksgiving is in direct proportion to how we appreciate the gift. I'll tell you right now, very few people are sinners anymore. Very few people are going to hell. There are many Christians sitting there because I believed in Jesus. <clears throat> I'm not going to hell. Listen, if grace were to be have the plug pulled right now, we'd be going to hell. Not by works. As good a Christian as I see I might be able to become, it is not good enough to escape hell. It takes the intercession of Christ. Him. Therefore, I'm grateful, thankful. Why wouldn't I serve him? I had the opportunity to meet the man who saved my physical life. It was odd, because to him it was nothing. He had been through Vietnam. He was a paramedic in Vietnam. He saw people blown to pieces. My little injury was no big deal to him. He reached up in my leg, pinched off the artery, kept me from bleeding out. Grateful. Wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. The Lord put him there. I thank God for it, but I got us. He was the instrument. Kind of an awkward conversation. What do you say to the guy who saved your life? Our father did much more. Much more. Therefore, we bow down. Jesus, in talking with his people, the Jews, his chosen people. John 14, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Ouch. 
Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, James tells us. Jesus said and said, if you love me, he will keep my words. My father will love him, and we will come to him, make our abode with him. These are not conditions of salvation. These are not conditions of keeping your salvation. These are passages to make us think about where we are at in here. In here. Look at Jesus in the face, hypothetically, like they did, and have him say, if you love me, and we love you, Lord, then keep my commandments. What are you doing? That is for us to consider in our hearts. I think this is a great passage on religion. This is the Pharisees coming to Jesus. The scribes and Pharisees came to Jesus in Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And Jesus said to them, Why do you yourselves also break the commandments of God? For you forsake, for the sake of your traditions. For God said, honor your father and mother. The one who speaks evil of his father and mother, let him be put to death. But you Jews, you say, whoever says to his father and mother, what I have, in other words, my finances, what I have that would help my mother and father help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father and mother. And by this you have invalidated the word of God. And for, and for the sake of your traditions, you have done this. Look what's going on out there with this understanding of worship. We take the clear teachings of scripture and we put them off someplace else and we do what makes us comfortable. The Christian culture, in many cases, you've heard me say this, and I, I, I wish you would stop and think about this. The Christian culture out there has interpreted the commands of God. Now, if you stop and think about that, take the clear, simple commands of God, and what do you do with them? How do you justify, how do I justify not obeying them? Think about that. Very clear, clear instructions. Well, a lot of them we look at and we say, well, I, 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 I can't do that. I have a life to live. What happened to the living sacrifice part? What happened about giving up my life? for his life. What happened to that? You hypocrites, verse 7. This is uh, Matthew 15. We're down to verse 7. You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you by saying, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain... It's useless, do they worship me? Teaching 
as doctrine the commandments of men. Useless worship. Talk, talk, talk. Raise the hands. Praise God. Praise the God. But the heart is not where it's supposed to be. The worship is outward, not inward. The worship stops, what stops when we walk out the door Sunday. Now it's my time. You get that? The worship stops. My obedience to God stops when I go out the door. That was for in here. That's for when we get together and we say all the things we're supposed to say. No, it's out the door. It's tonight. It's tomorrow morning. It's at work. It's at lunchtime. It doesn't stop. Because I am a servant of God and he does not stop. So where is, <laughs> where is music in the church? Turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 2. Remember I said that everything has a context. We must see everything in its place. Acts chapter 2, we're going to start down in uh, verse uh, 42. Peter has preached the gospel. He's preached Christ. He's, he's taking these Jewish believers and he has now brought them to the Messiah. Who is he? What's he done? What's happened at, Cal at the cross? What's happened? And in verse 42, he says, and they, who's this? The people who had heard Peter's message were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Whenever we want to understand a doctrine, we start at its very beginning. Here is the first meeting of God's people with the apostles. This is the gathering of believers. This is the church. The people who heard the message, what did they do? They continued devoting themselves, adhering to. This word devoting, they gave themselves over to this teaching. And to fellowship. They were a partnership. They were participating together in this teaching. And to the, we can argue about this, but as far as my understanding of the passage, the breaking of bread is the Lord's table. They did this daily. And to prayer. So notice the things that mark the church. The apostles' teaching a devotion to that teaching, a participation in what the teaching taught, the Lord's table and prayer. There's a thing that happens, and pastors, if you're out there listening, anybody please <laughs> forgive me a little bit. Pastors tend to get these conferences, they tend to share notes. How's your church going? Well, we added this, we did this, we added this. Pastor, how's your church doing? Uh, we have about a 75% participation in prayer meeting. What? How in the world is that happening? Well, what is happening that it isn't happening? They continued in prayer. This was the root. This was the base of this message. Man, praise God. They met prayer daily in the temple to prayer. I hope it's not uncomfortable, but I just cannot comprehend church without prayer. It just, it, church without prayer doesn't fit. 
there's something, there's something not right there. And I thank God we start our service, this first service, with prayer. I have a friend, pastor, in fact, he was my pastor for years. You might find him annoying, but while you're praying out loud, he's saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, bless the Lord, yes, heal them, Lord. Yes, Lord, save that person. He's right there with you, praying with you, both of you at the throne of grace, hearts united. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. I encourage you. You are missing a great blessing by missing Wednesday prayer. I know, schedules, so on and so forth. If the Lord's burned you about it, tell your boss, I've got to go home early. Are you sick? No, I've got to go pray. <laughs> See, now you just opened the door to the gospel. What? <laughs> but why don't we think like that? We're bowed down before our God. We have this great salvation, this eternal blessing that he's given us. And there's a blessing waiting for me here if I can get involved with this. Why not take a chance? Going home early tonight. Prayer in the Lord's table. And continued. Of one mind in the temple. Notice the unity. There wasn't a division about the kind of music we have in church. No division here. They were solid. They were together. They were participating in the teaching of the apostles. It was solid. They broke their bread with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Ephesians chapter 4, he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What for? So that you and I could go minister. That's what, that's what it was for. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. For the quadrupling of the saints, for the work of service to build up the body of Christ. It's unfortunate that in some churches, when you talk about spiritual gifts, right away, other things come up. Other than things that are going to build up the body of Christ. But the other thing, it doesn't come up. Whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. You're telling me I have an ability to serve in the church? Now you're kind of getting in my tracks here. I got stuff to do. I, I, come on, back off here. Unfortunately, that is the attitude of many. Oh, now you're getting to be legal. What do you mean? <laughs> I don't know if you're extremely good people, but I feel these things all the time. Get out of my life. I serve the Lord. What do you got to do with it? <laughs> It's terrible. Forgive it. Yeah, Lord, forgive me. Sometimes you even have to say, I'm sorry for my attitude. It wasn't right. But this is what this teaching is for, to build us up. It's always amazed me in my own introspective when Peter says, desire the sincere milk of the world, that word that you may grow by the effect of the word in your life. You may grow. And so I ask myself, well, Who's to say what growth is? <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Did you plant tomatoes this year? Uh-huh. How are they doing? Oh, they're growing good. Well, how do you know? Well, they were only this big when I bought them, but they're, they're like this now. 
well, how are yours doing? Oh, you should see, mine's got buds all over it. Mine are doing great. You mean you can see the growth? And I've got tomatoes. And my tomatoes are better than your tomatoes. <laughs> growth. We can see growth. Your child growing? Yeah, he's two inches this year. <laughs> he must be 14, 13. Growth is seen. What is growth? In the human body, we grow up to be able to accomplish more work, to be able to understand more, to be an adult. You ever do an apprenticeship? Why did you serve an apprenticeship? Because you didn't know anything. And you finished your apprenticeship, and now you're expected to be able to do work. We're taught by these people so that we can grow up and work. To build up the church. To strengthen one another so that we can as a body work. Now I thank God for this church. We do a lot of work for the size of us. We do a lot of work for the size of us. But we can do more. By God's grace and God's power, we can do more. When it comes to this ability to work, physically and spiritually, I, through my old foolishness, have hindered myself from doing certain physical work. That's been difficult because I've always been a physical worker. I had no trouble working night and day enjoyed it, just kind of who I was. And I say was, because through history, I can't do that now. So now what do I do? Now I'm learning a new work. How do I get involved in all these ministries that I have to go, have to do? I'm involved in the ministries through prayer. I'm involved in Mark's ministry because I've been praying for him because he's going to follow. I'm involved in his ministry, in Pastor Dave's ministry, in John Miles' ministry. I'm involved. No, I can't go stand with them. I can't go to their houses all the time, but I can go before the throne of God for them and for you that you will be able to hear and understand and apply the message. The message isn't thin air. <laughs> uh, James talked about this. You look in the mirror. You look in the word of God. You see what you're all the way and you walk away and poof, gone for God. Back to me. Does it bother you? When you're trying to serve the Lord, focus on the Lord, and you show up? This is what we're talking about, folks. So, <laughs> have we gotten to the church yet? Music in the church? Yes. Turn, if you will, to Colossians. Chapter 3. Remember, everything has a context. What have we seen going on in the churches so far? What is the purpose of our churches? What are we doing in our churches? 
Colossians chapter 3, we'll start in verse 15. Let the priests of Christ to which you are indeed called in one body rule your hearts and be thankful. Now here we go. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. If you've read through Colossians and Ephesians, the same thing. Paul is giving do's and don'ts. Don't live like you in the sin you used to. Live like now you're supposed to be in Christ. Don't act like the Gentiles. Now act like the Lord's people. Understand the context. Let the word of Christ richly, this is abundance. This richly is a word that would be used for an extremely wealthy man. And being wealthy, he can accomplish much. Let the word of Christ in you so that you can accomplish much. You're wealthy in the word of God. Where is it? It's in you. Remember? In our spirit. With all wisdom, here we go. Teaching and admonishing one another with psalms. Here's our first message. The psalms at this time were pretty much sung. Many of them just quoted as a congregation. But notice what the psalm was used for. It was used for teaching. In the context of what we have seen so far. Teaching. To build one another up. What else do we use? It's teaching and admonishing one another with psalms hymns, and spiritual songs. Remember, at this time, they didn't have the finished canon. They didn't have all of Paul's letters. They don't have what we have. All they had was the Torah and the Psalms. This is what they taught from. And, of course, the revelation that the apostles had of Christ. We now have the whole canon. We've got it all. And so we can teach one another, we can admonish one another, not only with the Psalms, but with all the epistles, with the Gospels, and with hymns, which are praise. Now we can sing. This mercy, this great salvation that we have, now we can praise God in song. Spiritual songs, songs that are not carnal, songs that are true, Songs that lyrically are doctrinally true and precise according to the word of God. Singing with thankfulness. That word thank is interesting, it's grace. Singing great with grace in your heart to the Lord. What do I do and do in word and deed? Do all to the glory of God. Do you see the context in which we fit music? There is this movement where, honestly, the mu music is the center stage. And you'll hear it said in some places, and then the pastor, who, by the way, is part of the worship team, gets to say something at the end. What we see here in Scripture is not being accomplished. If you're out on the street and you happen to be some Christians, ask them, what does the Bible teach? Give me some things that it teaches. And a lot of times you're going to get, uh, uh, well, uh, oh, we should love each other. We should love God with our heart. That's all some people know. Because they're not being taught other things. Doctrines of men, 
programs of men are overtaking the teaching of the word of God. It's being replaced. And so we have a weak Christian community. These things are not how you get saved. This isn't about keeping your salvation. These things direct us in our walk with the Lord that we honor him and please him in the things that we think, the things we say, the things we do. That's what these instructions are for. And the end result is we become mature. We grow up. We can take responsibility before the Lord and within the congregation and be a blessing to the people of God and honor God. This is what true worship is all about. Let's pray. Lord, you instructed Timothy to preach the word in season, out of season, to rebuke, to correct, exhort, because the time is coming when the church will not appreciate sound doctrine. Instead, have itching ears. Go after something else more pleasing to the flesh. Lord, we want to be comfortable, but better we be stirred up in our spirit to recognize we have a God to serve, a blessing to be his people, his adopted children. And we have a future laid up for us that is beyond our comprehension. But we know our Savior will be there and our God will be at the center. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to constantly evaluate our thinking by the scriptures. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Lord bless you.